0: Right, Davy, we've got to get all them sheep into the top field. And Shep is vastly outnumbered. There's only one thing for it. Release the clowns.
1: That's what I call taking one for the team.
2: <laughs>
3: My Ooh. eyes are watering just watching that. Must be what they mean by uh, a no ball.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Now, with the time coming up to 11, here's Keith with the weather.
0: Morning, Angela. Well, it's snow joke up here in Manchester either.
1: Oh, gosh, no, look at that. Well, there's snowman better than you, Keith, to tell us what the weather's doing. (laughs) (laughs) If you get my drift. (laughs) Yes, I'll settle for that as a compliment.
3: Okay, okay, well, let's
1: uh, see what the weather's doing. All white, Keith, all white.
3: Ice one, ice (laughs) one. Okay, okay. Keith, uh, what are the prospects for uh, snow? Oh, climate. (laughs) Yeah, um, what are the prospects for snow? this? I said climate. (laughs) Climate. Okay, what are the uh, prospects for weather? I see, Glenn. I see. (laughs) Can't think of a pun. Blizzard for you, is it? No, no, I just thought we should get to the weather. Keith, Glenn wants to know whether weather you can not okay, think of. Okay, well, well I, I'm just hearing that we don't have time. We have to move on. So thanks, Keith. See you at midday. Oh. Angela, why don't you tell us what's coming up in the next half hour?
1: But Keith had the weather. Yeah,
3: well, you were too punny, weren't you? And now we can't have the weather, Miss Many-punny. <sighs> oh.
1: <clears throat> You're watching the Morning News with me, Angela Harris and Robert Killjoy-Silk. I'm Glenn Burns. Bore Vidal. Glenn Burns. Jethro Dahl. My name's Glenn Burns. <coughs> Stiff Richard. I'm Glenn
3: Burns. Timothy Dreary. Fuck you, Angela.
1: Likewise, Glenn. A 36-year-old man has died in a high-speed crash in Batley, West Yorkshire.
3: He's now uh, Flatley, West
1: Yorkshire. <laughs> Airbag gum. <laughs> He's got it <whip-it> lash.
3: <laughs> and uh, finally... Two news presenters lost their jobs this morning by autocue.
1: That's right, the two presenters. Oh, shit. Too punny. Too punny. Release the clones!
0: Please stand clear of the closing doors, step away from the doors, mind
4: the doors.
5: Jimmy, quick, run!
4: (sighs) Made it. Thanks, Patricia. I almost dropped my mashed potato on the way.
5: Mashed potato? Yeah. Oh,
4: damn it, there's no more seats.
5: Why did you bring mashed potato with you?
4: I woke up late and didn't have time to eat at home, so I had to take my breakfast with me for the road.
5: That's not exactly something you'd expect to see on the tube, though. A discreet piece of toast, maybe, but not a huge tub of mash. And is that a mixing spoon?
4: (laughs) Typical. Just another misogynist, food shaming again. You can't expect me to hide in a cupboard every time I eat. And yes, this is a mixing spoon, Patricia. I eat a lot, I'm human, so shoot me.
5: You do know what a misogynist is, don't you? Yes,
4: it's a person who hates women and have strong prejudices against us.
5: And you do realise you're not a woman, Jimmy, right? I happen to be the only woman on this carriage, so I can't possibly be the misogynist.
4: Sorry, you're right. It's just, as a feminist, I get overly sensitive about misogynistic behaviour which makes me want to defend women. But sometimes I get carried away and mistake myself for a woman in the heat of it all, you know?
5: I know. It's fine. It's actually pretty admirable how serious you take it sometimes. You remind me of my uncle, actually. He was often protesting about the environment.
4: Wow, really?
5: Yeah, he basically spent most of his life hugging trees. All right. What?
4: You don't have to mansplain to me, Patricia.
5: I wasn't mansplaining. He basically spent most of his life hugging
4: trees? You don't have to give me the basic version of your uncle's life just so that my tiny woman brain can understand, you know? You sound condescending and quite frankly i feel like you're patronizing me
5: jimmy i wasn't giving you the basic version he he literally did he spent most of his life hugging trees
4: oh you weren't giving me the basic version that was the detailed version was it he literally spent most of his life hugging trees huh then what was he doing when he wasn't hugging trees eh Would that be the extra detailed version? The version that women can't possibly understand?
5: No, Jimmy, there isn't an extra detailed version of that story. My uncle spent most of his life hugging trees. That's the whole story.
4: That can't be the whole story, though. Why aren't you telling me? Do I not deserve to know because I'm a woman? I don't deserve a seat at the table because my uterus just gets in the way?
5: Jimmy, you don't have a uterus. You're not a woman.
4: Ah, no, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, I must have confused myself again.
5: Yeah, you were really confused, and you were attacking me. But as your friend, I know that it comes from a good place. You're a sensitive guy, and that's a great thing, but as a friend, well, I've also got to tell you that sometimes it it can come off as a little offensive.
4: But can't everyone see that I'm just standing up for women? How am I being offensive?
5: Uh... You know, when you say things like tiny woman brain and my uterus gets in the way, it can sound like you're taking the piss, and a man having to stand up for a woman defeats the whole point of feminism, don't you think?
4: Yeah, I guess you're right.
5: I really appreciate it, though. Oh, look, there's a seat behind you, quick.
4: Look. I'm sick of you guys always trying to offer me your seats. Just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I'm a weak-willed, delicate damsel. You think I need to sit down because I need to, what, rest my womb so that I can be in tip-top shape to give birth? Because that's all we're capable of. Well, no, we're not just baby-making machines. I have two legs of my own, so I'm alright with standing, fuck you very much.
5: Whoa. Jimmy, we literally just talked about this.
4: Ah, yeah. I'm so, so sorry. It's just sometimes I get so annoyed, moody even, and I just want to pick fights. It's like I'm constantly on my period... One
5: more word, Jimmy, and I swear I'll stick your face in that stupid tub of mash.
2: Release the clowns.
3: Beware the mists of Drake, but in the midst of these mists, the true seeker will find the keeper of the rhyme of unreason who guards the key of destiny. Yes, but... But only on a night when the moon of obsidian is... With the dew of elvish tears. Right. No, left! Left at the Pass of Oridon, where Oridon and his forefathers and his forefathers' forefathers fought so valiantly to defeat the massed armies of. <laughs> the massed armies of
5: Try a strepsel.
3: No, for that is the evil one's
5: name. Oh, my bad. So... So
3: onward, young friend.
5: Well, I'm 53, but I'll take that. To the
3: halls of <laughs>
5: Ring.
4: And there there you will
5: discover. Fuck's sake, mate, mate.
4: Y- yes, madam?
5: Where are the kidney beans?
4: Uh, next one over.
5: Thank you. Gary to shop floor, wizard in aisle
3: twenty. Release
0: the clowns. <laughs> Ideas that don't work as podcasts, number seventy-two. How to defuse a bomb with Bob Spratchett.
6: And I'm just taking out the last casing screw now. There. Okay, so we just ease the panel clear and... Oh yes, this one's a real doozy. Lots of wires, a bundle of C4... Plenty of metal for shrapnel, but <laughs> to be honest, with this amount of explosives, if you're within about 50 yards, you'll be killed by the sheer percursive force of the blast. If it went off now, I wouldn't even be a stain. Totally vaporised. And <laughs> this one's particularly tricky because it's got a mercury switch right there. Don't touch that. And try not to let the ticking of the countdown clock worry you. Only 11 seconds left, but we can't worry about that. Although, actually, maybe we should worry about that. Four, three, two, one. Ah.
2: Release the clowns. In today's acting masterclass, I'd like to talk about how we build a character. The character has to come from within. You have to know this person. Understand them, you must inhabit them. You are not pretending, you are becoming.
0: It's sales week at Trouser World. Zip over to our chino section to pocket a great deal before they fly
2: off the shelves. When building a character, I find it helpful to begin with a place. He's in a clothes shop. Why? What is his intent? His trousers are worn. He needs some new trousers. What sort of trousers would someone like him wear? How about these? Are these like his father's trousers? How do I feel about my father? Hmm, first person. I am becoming.
1: Hello there, sir. Can I help you at all?
2: When you truly inhabit your character, you are comfortable interacting in the moment with the world around you. Someone's asking if they can help me. Can they help me? Can anybody help me? What sort of help do I need from someone like this? What did they have for breakfast today? Yes, you can help me. These trousers are like my father's trousers. I think this makes me sad. I'd like to buy these trousers.
1: Um, okay. If you'd just like to follow me to the till, we'll take care of that.
2: It's important to keep any actions your character takes within the realm of the possible. If your character is not a superhero, then he cannot fly. If she is not a surgeon, she cannot perform operations. My character does not have 40 pounds. He cannot buy these trousers. Why not? He hasn't worked for two months. Why hasn't he worked for two months? Is it because nobody understands him? However, remaining within the realms of possibility does not mean one cannot subvert expectations.
1: (laughs) Sir! Stop!
2: Always explore the space fully.
1: Officer, we've got a shoplifter.
2: Yeah, I can see him. He's hiding behind that
3: ornamental cheese plant.
2: Come out, sir. I need to talk to you. The motivations of other characters should inform the actions of your own. There is a police officer here. What does he want? What makes him tick? What would he drink on a Saturday night? He's approaching me. Am I a renegade? How would a renegade respond? A renegade is proactive. Charge! Sir, stop. Stop, sir. Ah!
3: Sir, sir, I think he's coming round. Sir, I am arresting you for theft and assaulting a police officer in a trouser department.
2: When you truly become your character, the thrill of performance is like a charge of electricity. It can almost knock you off your feet. Or actually knock you off your feet. Sometimes you zone out. I have zoned out. I am dribbling. My trousers are wet. I need new trousers. I have become. Next week, we explore the relationship between performance and food. Meet me by the bins out back of Tesco.
0: Release the Clowns starred Lenny pickard Phil Whelans, Amy Holmes, Alex Marion, Holly Meachin, Casper Michaels, Marco Chu, Jonathan Thake, Nick Hildred, Helen Duff, Emily Sargent, Martin Hyder and Phil Nice. It was written by Alex Marion, Nick Hildred, Phil Whelans, Simon Littlefield and Marco Chu. The show is produced by Nick Hildred and Alex Marion. Release the Clowns is a proud member of No Phony Podcast Network and Britpod Scene, champions of independent podcasts. Follow them on Twitter and check out all their great shows. And remember, if you like Release the Clowns, then don't forget to tell all your friends about us. See you in two!
5: Bomb Squad can't be here for 20 minutes, Mum. Damn it! This bomb's set to go off in ten and we've got a bunch of wonderful elderly people trapped in the building with their cute pets. Why amalgamate care facilities for nice elderly people with puppy and kitten rescue centres? They're just incidents waiting to happen.
3: I think I can help, Mum. I subscribe to this podcast on how to defuse bombs.
5: And you think you can defuse this?
3: Yes, I do. Bob Spratchett's a brilliant teacher. You can almost hear the colours of the wires as he's snipping them.
5: OK, go for it.
3: Right, so first I just prise off the panel and... Oh, look at that! It's got a mercury switch!